The Armchair Illini Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best online ticketing site you can find. Why? Well, because it pulls from every other available ticketing site to give you the best price possible. There's no need anymore to check out 10 different ticketing sites to find the deal you're looking for. SeatGeek basically does all of that for you. Not only that, but SeatGeek has a value system sorted by color to let you know if you are actually getting a good deal on your tickets or not. You can sort by best value, lowest price, and more. Now here's the best part. If you use code ARMCHAIRILLINOIS, all one word, you can get $20 off your first order. So what are you waiting for? Attend your next unforgettable sporting event or concert by checking out SeatGeek today. Again, use promo code ARMCHAIRILLINOIS, all one word, and get $20 off your first order. They're holding their breath in champagne. They'll let you know. Peters on the roll. That's what I expected. Looking for the end zone. Throwing. It's caught. Daniel Parker. Touchdown. Welcome to the Armchair Illini Podcast. Uh, we are back off the bye week. We didn't do an episode last week, but now we're back uh, previewing Nebraska. And we've got a Nebraska guest who's going to come on and, and talk a little bit about the game. Uh, but Alex and I here as always and uh, excited to break down this matchup. Alex, it's it's been a minute, man. Yeah, for real. I mean, last time we talked, it was after the Minnesota game where yep. the vibes were immaculate. Everyone's feeling really good. And had a bye week that kind of, it feels like a while ago, you know, I don't know if it's just my personal schedule, but, um, you know, it's crazy that we don't have to worry about making a bowl game. Now it's like, what bowl game are we going to make? And then how can we somewhat win the big Ted West title, which is, I don't think it's happened in, at least like in my time as an Illinois fan, just in football. I don't think Illinois has ever won it since the divisions became exactly. I so, think the last time they won it was in 1999, if I'm correct. Yeah, 2001, maybe too. I don't know. Something, something where it was a while ago and not like within my yeah. my childhood fandom. It's either 99 or 01. Right. Yeah. So crazy that that's that long and it's actually going to happen. And people are talking about, um, you know, the Orange Bowl and and Brett Bielema winning Coach of the Year, Chase Brown and the Heisman. Um, you're talking about different athletes on the defense getting looks at the NFL. So you're talking about Devin Witherspoon and Keith Randolph yep. and Johnny Newton are getting good looks. And you're talking about trying to replace the offensive line. Um, and then outside of that, you're talking about recruiting and you're in the mix for some big time talent, which is some, again, something that you don't really hear about. So it's pretty interesting. It kind of feels like a dream still. Yeah. I mean, with the bye week uh, you know, Bioma and his staff did a lot of recruiting, and Illinois picked up uh, three commitments, which I uh, wrote about earlier today, or published earlier today, and you can kind of get a little uh, little breakdown on each of them um, and kind of what kind of offers they have and what we can expect for them, immediate impact or not, all that sort of stuff. You can check that out at armchairlina.com. Uh, but anyway, the, being able to snag those commitments, you know, uh, it was awesome, you know, capitalized on some momentum. Uh, they got another Juco prospect, which uh, for the offensive line, which we saw worked wonders this year. Um, and maybe the Juco market is one that they can uh, really just like kind of take over now that transfers are more of a thing. 
uh, and maybe the JUCO uh, kids are kind of getting forgot about a little bit. So, yeah, the opportunity to uh, to recruit that market and, and do it well and recruit it heavily. And it worked this year. I mean, Isaiah Adams, Zach Chrysler, great pickups uh, on the JUCO side of things. And, um, you know, maybe those guys have a chance at an NFL look, which would be which would be cool. And it's an easy sell for the program. Um, and, and all that sort of stuff. And then the other two prep prospects, we'll see on those. But the opportunity to take advantage of, of recruiting on the bye week, you know, that's something this last staff didn't do. You know, Illinois went to the bowl game 2019. What did they do with it? Virtually nothing. Uh, and so now to have a staff that knows the momentum it has and is really doing all it can to capitalize on that momentum and, and to, uh, to really kill it on the recruiting trail uh, is pretty cool to see. Yeah, Man, definitely. that last play with Brandon Peters and the Red Box Bowl still tears at my heart. <laughs> the one where he dived, like yeah, the one where he dives and gets yeah, concussed. yeah, but still, but just just to like kind of build off of Zach's point, literally, Lovey Smith made it to a bowl game, had some momentum, and honestly got like an even worse class than he usually does. Um, so really glad that Brett Bielman knows that this is a window of opportunity that can be used, and he's really taking advantage of it, getting after it, the recruiting trail. Um, you know, obviously, two prep prospects that are very big time, especially in state. And then I know he's probably hitting up some of those guys that committed cool. elsewhere. Um, so really good to see a, a head coach be involved in these kind of recruitments because you know that's what you need to do when you're Illinois and you have some momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as I was kind of thinking about the recruiting and all that sort of stuff, and obviously you have the sale that you're you know, 17th in the country and you're six and one, but also a lot of the teams that have been stealing the in-state talent, uh, you've absolutely destroyed this year, Wisconsin and, and Minnesota especially. Uh, so to be able to to not only be like, yeah, we're good, but also we absolutely demolished you know two teams that have been stealing our talent and uh, I think is a, is a cool sell too. So uh, we've got our Nebraska guest on here now, so let's transition a little bit to the Nebraska game. Um, and before we introduce our guests, I just want to um, – take some time Alex and uh, to, to talk about this matchup with with Nebraska from the Illinois side of it for just a second um, obviously Illinois coming off a bye I believe Nebraska is coming off a bye as well so you've got both teams coming off a bye week which is super interesting Josh McCray should be healthy for this game which I, obviously is a big deal he hasn't played since Wyoming in the week zero uh, that's a huge huge get for them but obviously the Nebraska team that's playing right now is not the same one that lost to Northwestern at the beginning of the year um, with the coaching change and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's, it's just a different team. So, Alex, how are you feeling coming into, into Nebraska on Saturday? You know, I trust, like, kind of going off of what we were just talking about, I trust Brett Bielema. I trust Ryan Walters to do the right things, have a good game plan in mind. Um, but at the same time, I know that Illinois is bound to lose a game um, within these last couple games that they shouldn't necessarily lose. You know, they're bound for at least one subpar performance, whether it's from the offense or the defense. Um, and in my mind, just a kind of a gut feeling, there's no real reason behind it, um, is either Nebraska or Purdue. Um, just for the fact that, you know, their their styles are very um, offensive-oriented. But given that Illinois has a strong defense, but at the same time, it's a different kind of matchup because you're not playing against a Iowa who has an anemic offense, Minnesota who you know has some struggles, or even Wisconsin who is also struggling offensively. 
Um, you know, I just have a feeling that one of these teams that are more offensive oriented, whether it's Nebraska or Purdue, will have, you know, one of those hot games. And so with that being said, I'm a little bit nervous with it just because it's out of a bye week. Um, I trust Brett Bielema, but at the same time, I know that it's bound to happen. Um, so I'm interested to see offensively what Nebraska has been doing ever since the coaching change. Um, obviously, I know defense will still not be a priority for them, but interested to see what they're going to do offensively because they do have some guys, whether it's Casey Thompson at the quarterback position. Um, they got some really good wide receivers, uh, and they got a big offensive line as well, um, as do most Nebraska teams. So a little bit nervous, to be quite honest. I don't know why. It's just kind of a gut feeling. I get that. I mean, you know, Illinois is good and they've earned our trust, but for a lot of people, there's still nerves around it. And that's not even necessarily why you're nervous, but um, it it is a super interesting matchup. I mean, Nebraska's wide receivers against Illinois' defensive backs is going to be very fascinating. Obviously, Illinois' DBs are some of the best in the country. I saw a mock draft the other day that had uh, Witherspoon going in the top 10 in the first round, which is uh, pretty wild. And obviously, Cindy Brown, who kind of plays a linebacker safety hybrid. Kendall Smith, who's just kind of plays like an Eddie Jackson-like ball-hawking uh, safety role and he just kind of roams around and gets interceptions it's the same role that uh, Kirby Joseph was kind of in last year and Taz Nicholson has I think been better than expected um, and just a great group of DBs and obviously Nebraska's got a great group of wide receivers as well so it'll be interesting to see that uh, that matchup and that dynamic I, I'm also pretty interested uh, you know, like you said, Nebraska's defense, not the best. Illinois' offense um, has been pretty good, especially compared to the rest of the Big Ten West. Um, and I don't think Illinois will get in a shootout. I think Illinois' defense is too good for that. Um, so it'll be interesting. I I personally think Illinois' defense against a good offense um, actually favors Illinois a bit more than um, a two great defenses going against each other, like the Iowa game, um, Minnesota or Wisconsin, like whatever else, uh, just because the margin for error is so small on offense uh, that it just puts a lot of pressure on. So I think it'll be it'll be interesting. Uh, I think this could be a favorable matchup for Illinois, but also if they give up a couple touchdowns early or something, it'll be interesting to see how, how they respond. But uh, let's get our, our person who actually knows something about Nebraska, <laughs> we're just kind of talking the hypotheticals and whatnot. Uh, but the great Cornholio's on here. Uh, and how's it going? We're so excited to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's going very well. And I have to say, um, I live in the New England area and I am a Boston fan. So I am not a fan of any of you at the moment. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, uh, hopefully we can have a great talk about this Nebraska-Illinois game. And I'm excited. And you guys kind of touched on some things a little bit in the open here. Um, I think it's going to be a good game. I think, um, you know, this, this, this Illinois team, from my perspective, is very, very solid, as most Brett Bielema teams are. So I'm excited. Yeah, it, it should be a fun a fun weekend. Sorry about uh, what the Chicago sports have done to to the uh, to the East Coast over the last couple of days. We're not used to stuff like that happening. So enjoy it. Uh, it's fun. I mean, sorry for Matt Jones too. Man, yeah, that guy's that guy's subpar. That's gonna be a mess. I don't know how that's gonna work out, but that can be a whole other space for for another day. If you guys yes. want to talk about that as well. <laughs> Yeah, man. So I was actually curious, you know, I think I kind of touched on it in the opening. 
Um, obviously, the coaching change happened. Um, Nebraska has gone, I think, two and two since the coaching change. Mm-hmm. What's really changed? Um, you know, especially on the offensive end. I know they gave up quite a number of points to Purdue last week, but offensively, has there been a shift in focus? I know Casey Thompson is very talented. There's a lot of talented wideouts there, but um, has there been any sort of difference that you've noticed uh, ever since the coaching change happened? I've noticed there's been a little bit more, um, you know, offensive firepower, not not in terms of changing personnel, but just in terms of trusting who you have. You know, one of the biggest playmakers for Nebraska is Trey Palmer. I believe he leads the country in receiving yards. He has 781 on the season. And, you know, I think right now for interim head coach Mickey Joseph, it's just about trying to make the best out of a very difficult situation. Coaching changes in the middle of the season are never easy. And so, you know, it's kind of put Mickey Joseph in a tough spot, but he is trying to make the best out of a difficult situation. And I think the players have responded to that. And then defensively, do you think they've kind of gone with the same approach? Um, I know, Mickey Joseph is more of an offensive guy, as is most of um, Scott Frost's staff. But defensively, has there been a shift in focus, or have they just kind of try to more so just continue to lean on their offense? The previous defensive coordinator, um, Eric Shenander, he was, in my opinion, he did not put the players in positions to succeed. I felt he used the personnel very questionably. Um, interim uh, defense coordinator, Bill Bush, I think has done a good job of putting players in positions to succeed. Um, I've noticed more cohesiveness within the defensive scheme. I've noticed a little bit more aggressiveness. I mean, you know, you probably couldn't tell that against Purdue, the last team we played, because we gave up, I think it was 43 points. But, I mean, at this point, for this group of coaches, because they were kind of thrust into this in the middle of the season, um, with new roles and things like that, obviously. It's kind of just about making the best out of the personnel you have. And I think that's exactly what Bill Bush has done because this defense, you know, was not very good and, you know, did not show consistency during the first couple of games. Eric Shenander was here, and now Bill Bush is trying to get some identity back for the defensive unit. So I wanted to talk about that Purdue game a little bit. Obviously, I, I'm pretty sure Nebraska is also coming off a bye that uh-huh. Illinois is also coming off of. Yep. Purdue being the last game that y'all played, I think many, um, maybe not many, but a lot of people expected Purdue to win pretty handedly. You know, Nebraska off to a slow start. Um, Purdue, you know, in that Big Ten West kind of race and hunt. And then the game ended up being really close. I mean, obviously a combined like 80-something points among the two teams. Um, but what were just some of the big takeaways from that uh, that Purdue game and uh, being able to, to keep it close and score a lot of points, obviously giving up a lot of points too, but um, just any, any takeaways uh, from that most recent game? Well, honestly, the biggest takeaway I had, truthfully, is that Aiden O'Connell will be a very good quarterback in the NFL. He absolutely sliced and diced the Nebraska defense and – You know, I believe the defense was on the field for 103 plays. And so that is not a recipe for success, especially when you're going up 
up against a high-powered offense like Purdue. Um, you know, I think um, Trey Palmer, he is going to do what he does. He had another great game. I forget the exact numbers that he had. I can look that up in a I little think he bit had, here. I think he had 237, which is just That's absurd. Is, yeah. yeah, it is. And, and, you know, the defense wasted that effort. I mean, that is absurd. And, you know, again, and this is something I'm nervous about coming into Saturday's game, you know, the Nebraska offensive line is miserable. They are absolutely miserable. And uh, Casey Thompson is, you know, running for his life you know, in the backfield and under center. So I'm, you know, I guess my biggest takeaway was that the offensive line isn't going to get any better from here on out. And that's something I'm going to be watching on Saturday against Illinois. Sounds like a Chicago football team, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, it does. Doesn't it? Or even like a New England one. <laughs> yeah, but, nowadays, yeah. But yeah, no, I kind of, I kind of wanted to touch on Trey Palmer. Um, you know, obviously before this episode, I was looking at, some of the box scores of Nebraska and trying to do some research and saw that mm-hmm. number 237. Um, mm-hmm. Is he the, obviously he's the focal point of the Nebraska air attack, but um, has there been a difference in trying to get him more involved um, since the coaching change? Um, do they try to involve him in any way that they didn't beforehand or are they trying to emphasize him more? Well, I think if you, uh, if you can kind of recall last off season, meaning like this January, there was a big emphasis in the transfer portal. Trey Palmer was one of the guys that Nebraska was able to get in the transfer portal. And the first couple of games of the season were really trying to figure out what the new personnel, like like Casey Thompson, Trey Palmer, Anthony Grant, like what those guys could do. And now Trey Palmer is establishing himself as the de facto wide receiver. And offensive coordinator Mark Whipple, I think, is doing a better job of just trying to get him the football, and for good reason, because he is an absolute deep threat, and, you know, he is fun to watch. I wish I wish Nebraska had lost uh, last Saturday, because 237 was absolutely insane. Definitely. And you kind of touched upon, you know, one of the weaknesses of the Nebraska team being the offensive line, but is there anything in your opinion that you feel like hey, Nebraska does this extremely well um, that Illinois will have to watch out for? I'd say probably get the ball to their playmakers. I mean, I know you guys kind of touched on Trey Palmer a little bit in the opening, but again, like getting the ball to their playmakers, Trey Palmer, I think, like they, like they know what he can do and they know what the value is to the offense. Um, and so – they get the ball to as many playmakers as possible. They use the tight end position quite a bit as well. Travis Bokalik has been a big part of the Nebraska offense so far this season. And so I think I think getting the ball to playmakers is something they do really well. This is a team that, you know, kind of needs to continue to do that as, you know, we've been kind of talking in, in Nebraska land, so to speak, that you know, if Saturday's result could determine whether or not Mickey Joseph stays as head coach. I mean, you know, it's not, this is nothing definitive that the athletic department has said, but it's been kind of a consensus among fans that a win on Saturday could maybe cement him as the head coach, whereas a loss could kind of force Nebraska to really 
delve into the coaching search in the offseason. And let's be clear here, I am not guaranteeing an easy victory for Nebraska by any means. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, you know, Illinois is is ranked and you know in the top twenty in the country. Um, I saw some of these takes with Iowa too after losing to Ohio State the way that they did. Um, you know, like how how important is this game to, to Nebraska? Because I don't think if you lose, like I don't think Nebraska is expected to win this game by any means. So it almost feels like it should be like a little bit of playing with house money, just in the sense that you know it doesn't. If you win it, that's awesome. But if you lose it, you weren't really expected to. So um, it's interesting that you you say that there's some pressure on it, just because you know it is a ranked opponent. Uh, Nebraska hasn't been a phenomenal this year, um, but obviously a, a win would be huge. But just interesting that they place a loss uh, with with a little bit more value than I expected. But uh, that's pretty interesting. Um, I wanted to ask uh, a little bit about the tight end position because against Iowa a couple weeks ago, Illinois had some real trouble in the first half uh, against um, Laporta, uh, Iowa's tight end. And then we thought against Minnesota uh, that tight ends would be an issue again, and then it really wasn't. Uh, Minnesota uh, offensively didn't really do much outside of Ibrahim. And then once they got down, um, they had to throw the ball a little bit more, and they just couldn't find uh, their six foot seven tight end. So how are tight ends in Nebraska's offense kind of used, and is that a matchup that you could see – exploited a bit on Saturday? Um, you know, Nebraska's tight ends are used as a middle-of-the-field kind of security blanket because defenses know that, you know, the outside wide receivers, and again, I've brought his name up so many times, Trey Palmer, they know to guard him. They know to guard another second receiver like Marcus Washington. And so tight ends are used kind of like a security blanket for quarterback Casey Thompson. Travis Vokalik has been, you know, pretty good this year. He's dealt with some injury issues. Um, but, you know, they're kind of used as um, a position that can help keep drives alive, a position that can make things happen after the catch, and, you know, a, a position where if Casey Thompson needs to make a quick throw to get some yards, he can do that. So there is, you know, value in – this offense at the tight end position, and I'll be interested to see how Volkolek is utilized on Saturday. Yeah, that's that's pretty interesting. I think going back to your other point about uh, Mickey Joseph's fate in regards to this game, it's actually really interesting also because if Nebraska was to win this, they would be tied with Illinois and Purdue, you know, in the Big Ten West standings and, you know, the conference records. So is there like a you know, like a sense of belief or at least an acknowledgement that, hey, like the season hasn't gone the way that we want it to go. Scott Frost was an absolute disaster, you know, lost to lowly Northwestern. Oh, don't but, remind me. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. But, you know, is there at least an acknowledgement that, hey, like this isn't over and we could have, we're up there, you know, in terms of trying to get to the Big Ten West uh, title? There is. And I think that's why there's such an emphasis placed on the game because, it's not so much about, you know, this game, you know, obviously we're not looking past it by any means, but, you know, looking at Nebraska's November schedule, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin, and then Iowa to finish the year, there's not a lot of, you know, potential gimme wins on that schedule for November. And so 
Um, I think this is being kind of framed as a much win, um, a uh, must win, excuse me, because, you know, this gives Nebraska, if they beat Illinois, a little bit of wiggle room to try to get to a bowl game against a November schedule that is, quite frankly, a gauntlet. Yeah, definitely. And then just kind of going in terms of today's or, you know, this week's game, what do you think Nebraska has to do, you know, particularly well to beat the Illini, in your opinion? Stop Chase Brown. I mean, you know, Good luck. Chase Brown is electric. And, you know, he he can't be stopped. And, you know, you have to tackle him at the first level. And if you don't tackle him at the first level, then you put yourself at a disadvantage. So I think that's definitely one of the bigger keys for Saturday. I think that's a good point. Uh, obviously, you know, Chase Brown, we, we thought, I think, at one point this year that the 100-yard streak was going to come to an end in that kind of three-game stretch against Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota. It didn't, uh, in fact, last week or two weeks ago against Minnesota, he carried the ball 41 times or something crazy like that. And obviously that's, that they pretty much only did that because they had the bye week coming coming next. And they get Josh McCray back this week, which uh, will be a huge help to their red zone offense and give them a, a change of pace um, with, with a different kind of running back, which I'm uh, really excited to have him back. Interested to see how Barry Lunny uses him basically for the first time this year, it feels like. Mm-hmm. So um, that'll be an interesting uh, interesting thing to watch. Defensively for Nebraska, obviously, you know, gave up a lot of points to Purdue. Not the greatest defense in the Big Ten West by any means. Um, and But is there do they have a strength that uh, you think that they could um, – they could, you know, kind of stifle Illinois' offense a little bit, or is it just gonna? Is Nebraska hoping for a shootout here? You know, I don't. I don't think they necessarily have a strength. I think they play well together as a unit, if that makes sense. I think they feed off one another. Um, the secondary play has improved over the past couple of weeks, but the run defense has been leaky. Uh, they made. Purdue's Devin Mockaby looked like an All-American. <laughs> and so, you know, I don't really see a specific strength, but if the unit can just feeds off each other, if there's enough pressure from the pass rush, you know, if there's enough pressure from the pass rush, enough, you know, strong play from the secondary, they can feed off one another and help make this, you know, a close game. I'm not, I'm not hoping for a shootout because I think, you know, Come the fourth quarter, if the Nebraska defense has been on the field for 90-something plays, I think that favors Illinois a little bit. So I don't know if I could necessarily pinpoint a defensive strength, but I think perhaps maybe I guess their biggest strength is just being able to play together as a unit. And I know that may sound kind of simplistic and basic, but it's true because there are still a lot of holes on this defense that are not going to be fixed this year, but may be able to be fixed in the coming years with stronger recruiting classes and uh, better defensive schemes. And then kind of going on the flip side of my last question, what do you feel like Illinois will have to do particularly well there to beat the, the Huskers, you know, in kind of a low-stress environment, hopefully? Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, the first thing they have to do is do whatever they can to stop Trey Palmer. And because he is, 
you know, a dynamic weapon offensively. We talked about that. And, you know, I think the other thing they really have to do is, you know, try to get some pressure on the offensive line because Nebraska's offensive line is not good. Casey Thompson has taken so many hits um, under center and, you know, in shotgun, wherever. He just had not a lot of time to throw in many games. So I think if Illinois is able to get pressure on Casey Thompson and, you know, kind of exploit the extremely weak offensive line, I think they'll be in good shape. And then if they can shut down, you know, Trey Palmer, that will force other Nebraska wide receivers to really have to step up in roles that they really haven't, quite frankly, had to do so yet this season. So I think, um, you know, just stopping Palmer and making sure to test the Nebraska offensive line are two of the biggest things that that Illinois can do to succeed on Saturday. All right. And finally, we want to get to these predictions. So putting you on the spot here, what is your prediction for Saturday's game against Illinois? Illinois 27, Nebraska 17. All right. Alex, what about you? What you got prediction-wise for Saturday? I'm trying to think of a good prediction um, in Lincoln. I kind of want to go with my reverse jinx because last time I said Illinois was going to win, that was against Indiana, and that obviously did not happen. Um, But I think realistically, I'm going to go with Illinois. um, hmm. What's a good number for Tommy DeVito here? Let's go Illinois 31, Nebraska 17. I like it. So uh, basically, like a week ago, I wrote about during the bye week, I wrote about Illinois' red zone issues. And I think with Josh McCray back, they will have an opportunity to solve some of those red zone issues. They've only scored uh, touchdowns on about 39% of their uh, red zone opportunities this year, and which isn't actually much better than last year, even though the offense looks a lot better. So I think punching it in the end zone is going to be key and paramount in this game for Illinois if they want to kind of assert their dominance and kind of run away with it. So I could I could see it being kind of like a you know 23 to 13 kind of game, but if Illinois can score two more touchdowns and they do field goals, I could see it, you know, being like a 31 to 13 game for Illinois or something like that. So that's something I've got my eye on. I've got an Illinois victory in my prediction. Um, and we'll be interested to see uh, by how much kind of depending on how, how often they punch it in the red zone, into the end zone, in the red zone. And then I had to ask, I saw some rumblings that um, Nebraska's interested in Brett Bielema as a coach. Obviously, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think Brett's too happy here. I think he doesn't want to jump to another team in the conference. If he was going to, he would go to probably, you know, somewhere that fits him, just like Illinois. But who is Nebraska kind of looking at in terms of their next coach? Obviously, Mickey Joseph is here. You kind of said that if they do win, um, you know, there would be big consideration. But who who's in consideration there? Dave Aranda is a big name that's popped up a couple times. Um, you know, you know, Joseph, like you said, I mean, it's really hard to pinpoint specific names because we've heard all sorts of names. We've heard, you know, Mickey, Dave Aranda, Lance Leopold, Lane Kiffin, Matt Rule. Leopold would be great, just need to say. <laughs> and so I don't think Bielema, I really don't see that as a realistic candidate. This is the time of year where Twitter accounts are going to tweet random names just to get clicks and engagement. And, 
you know, stuff like that. You guys know how the Twitter game works. And so um, I'll be interested to see if, you know, my personal vote would be Mickey because I truly believe he has this team believing in what he's trying to do. And um, I'd like to see what he could do with a full year of, you know, recruiting his own prospects and getting in his own staff. Um, but we'll, but, but we'll have to see. I'm not Trev Alberts, the athletic director, you know, I'm not, I, I, I wish I had more say in how the football program was run, but unfortunately I wasn't selected to do so. So I'm just excited to see how the season finishes and how the season finishes will tell a lot about the future of the program, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. There's some fires to put out, um, especially with how the Frost regime went. And then Fred Hoiberg, you know, on the other end, has been kind of not what we expected or anyone expected. So, nope. you know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, because Nebraska's got some passionate fans, I'm sure, like yourself. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it, it's a relatable position because at the time, Illinois, you know, when they had Tim Beckman, Lovey Smith, John Gross, a very, very tough time. So we kind of feel what you're going through. Whichever coach comes in and wins, if they win, I don't know, the Rose Bowl, a championship, Big Ten championship, statues will be built. He will be celebrated. He will be part of. He will be part of Nebraska lore because it's been a long, long time since Nebraska has, you know, gotten to not just a high level but a winning level and a respectable level. And there's a lot to clean up after the Frost regime. And I'm just hoping that you know the athletic department and you know, the boosters and, and, you know, everybody involved with making big decisions can, you know, make, make sound ones that will, you know, be, be better for the future of the programs because you're right. Fred Hoiberg is also in the same boat and, you know, I'll be interested to see how that pans out on the basketball end of things. And, you know, if he stays for, for another year or if he, Gets, gets given the pink slip at the end of the year. So we'll see. Well, man, thanks for, uh, thanks for hopping on, and thank you all for listening, and we will catch you all next time. The Armchair Illini Podcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the best online ticketing site you can find. Why? Well, because it pulls from every other available ticketing site to give you the best price possible. There's no need anymore to check out 10 different ticketing sites to find the deal you're looking for. SeatGeek basically does all of that for you. Not only that, but SeatGeek has a value system sorted by color to let you know if you are actually getting a good deal on your tickets or not. You can sort by best value, lowest price, and more. Now here's the best part. If you use code ARMCHAIRILLINOIS, all one word, you can get $20 off your first order. So what are you waiting for? Attend your next unforgettable sporting event or concert by checking out SeatGeek today. Again, use promo code ARMCHAIRILLINOIS, all one word, and get $20 off your first order.